0: of you were going to be in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. The theme of the two scripture readings this morning was uh, the day of the Lord and as we've gone through Thessalonians uh, you know I would not pick this text to preach to you just on my own I want to be faithful to God. And so he puts that at the end of the letter. So that's something that we're going to have to address and look at uh, together as his church. Chapter 4 dealt with the return of Christ. How he was uh, coming and what we could expect with that. Chapter 5 turns the page now to the judgment of God on the world for the sin of the world. And it's kind of a sobering. Uh, message today like I said I wouldn't pick this but it's something that I have to do as a pastor bringing the church the whole Bible I can't just skip parts I don't like amen I want to preach all of it to you and so chapter five begins with the thought of uh, the earth and the fate of the earth from God's perspective you know you and I as Christians we're not waiting for that We're not waiting for the fate of the earth. We're not waiting for the judgment of God to come on this world. You and I are waiting for the Son of God to come. Amen. Now, while he comes and he deals with his church, however he's going to do in taking us home, uh, it's the ones who are left behind that are going to be suffering these events that we'll read about. So you and I as Christians are not looking for the judgment of God. We're looking for the Son of God to come and take us. And the rest are going to experience that judgment. So that's why I gave this a title, Are You Ready? Are you ready for that day? Are you prepared for that moment when Christ appears and this whole process of the day of the Lord begins? The day of the Lord is not just a a one 24-hour period. Okay, It begins a period of time that a lot of things happen in in the judgment of the world uh, for its sin. Let's stand together and read a couple of verses, and then we will uh, discuss those, or I will with you anyway, discuss them. It says in verse 1, Now as to the times and the epics, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come, just like a thief in the night. While they are saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly like birth pangs upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober For those who sleep do their sleeping at night, and those who get drunk get drunk at night. But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for the obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we are awake or asleep, We may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another, just as you also are doing. Let's stop there and pray. Father, bless your word today for us in this place and speak to our heart, Lord, loudly and clearly. Let us know where we stand. Let our spirit be moved today to know that we have chosen sides, so to speak, Father, and that we stand with you in all the events that are on the horizon for us. And we pray that today in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated, thank you for standing. You know, we read verse one there, now as to the times and the epics, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you. I've read that somewhere else, right? And uh, in fact, somebody else very important said that, it was Jesus himself in, back in the book of Acts on the screen in chapter one, And the disciples were asking him, is it at this time that you are restoring the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or epics, which the father has fixed by his own authority. So the disciples were wondering, is this when you're going to restore the kingdom of God to Israel? And we're going to rule and reign on this earth. And Jesus told them, it's not for you to know that. Russell, can you tone me down just a little bit? I'm getting feedback. And thank you. And so Paul just emphasizes what Jesus said right here in the text. Only the Father knows when this will happen. He goes on in Acts chapter 1, verse 8 to say this, But you, you would be the disciples. You would be you. You would be me. You would be us. We as followers of Christ, as believers, as the saved of Christ... In verse eight, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. It's not for you and I to try to figure out when the Lord's coming back. Now, if you're like me, you feel like it could be at any moment because the world's about as bad as it could get in our opinion, but you know, it it could get worse and it might get worse and he might not come back for a thousand years or he might come back in 10 minutes. We don't know that. Only the Father knows that. And so what am I to do while I'm waiting? I'm supposed to be a witness. You see that? I am to be a witness for Christ. In everything I do at my workplace, when I go to school, in my family life, in my recreational life, all the things that I do in this world, I'm to be a witness. That's all he said to do. He didn't say to learn theology, he didn't say to go to a preaching school, he didn't say to do this or do that great thing in religion, he just said, be my witness. And so we have that responsibility as we wait for the day of the Lord to come. That's all you and I need to be doing, is to be a witness for the Lord. Are you ready for Him to come back? Have you been being a witness? Or are you one who claims Christ, but you keep your mouth shut? You claim Christ, but you don't want anybody at work to know it. You claim Christ, but you don't want the kids at school, your friends, to know that you're going to church and you love Jesus. Are you being a witness? That's what we are to do. That is a person who is ready for Christ's return. If you are not, then you're not ready. You're not looking for His return. You're not looking for Him to show up. You're too involved in the everyday life that you have. There's three characteristics about this day that we read about, the day of the Lord that we mentioned here in our text. The first characteristic is this, that it will come like a thief. Now we all know people that steal, or we may not know people that steal, but we know what a thief is, right? And, and I thought of another illustration to give to you. I was driving down the road the other day, a four-lane road. I'm on the inside lane, and I look up ahead of me about an eighth of a mile or a few hundred yards, and I see these two cars pull up to the intersection at a stop sign, and they, uh, the guy on the other side doesn't see me. I'm just thinking. And the guy on this side can see me. So I closer I get to these two cars, sure enough, the guy on the other side, whoa, he pulls out because he doesn't see me. And if I hadn't hit my brakes, if I hadn't been looking, if I hadn't been ready for that, he would have T-boned me. But I saw him pull up, and I said, that guy's going to pull out, not seeing me. And sure enough, here he comes. That's what I'm talking about. To be ready. Are you looking? Are you prepared for that day when he comes? Or are you just living life without giving any thought of the return of Christ? Do you know how close we are? Do you know how much preaching takes place? Do you know how much warning is in the Scripture? Do you realize that God is on the move and it could happen at any moment? Are you ready for that? Are you watching? Are you prepared for when He comes? Is He taking you or is He leaving you? It's like driving here last week on the roads and all of a sudden you're driving along fine and then you hit a patch of black ice. You don't have time to prepare for that. You don't have time to change your mind about the way you're going. Now you're in survival mode as your car is spinning and slurring around. That's the way it is when he comes. He will come like a thief. You won't have a chance to get ready. Because it will happen in a moment, the Bible says, in the twinkling of an eye. Jesus talks about that. This is not Paul's idea. Jesus talks about this day back in the book of Luke. Let's read on the screen what he said there. Chapter 17, Jesus said, And just as it happened in the days of Noah, so it shall be also in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were being given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. You know, it's a—it's uh, not really known, but... It's imagined by a lot of people how many claw marks were on the outside of that ark as it began to float up away from people as they tried to get in. I want you to notice something about that story. Notice the little quiet disappearance of God's family. Everybody was living life until the day Noah entered the ark what does that ark represent for you and i it represents christ for us the salvation of god god prepared that for noah and noah entered it the bible says god shut the door Noah didn't shut the door god shut the door and then the floods came and the people were destroyed you must understand that it's going to be something that is sudden that the church is here today. People outside of the church that don't go to church, they see you going to church. They watched Noah build that ark. They laughed at him. They mocked at him. They ridiculed him. But he kept on building and he kept on going and he kept on working, church. He kept on being a witness. The Bible says Noah was a preacher. That don't mean he stood in a pulpit and he preached. That means he lived his life telling people about God and the judgment that was coming on the world. That's what that means. Jesus goes on to say this. Well, Peter talks about this coming as a thief in his letter, and he gives this indication in chapter 4 of 1 Peter. For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. Notice that. Judgment begins with the family of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Do you know, friend, today you're being judged? Today God's watching you. Today God is observing your life. Today God's recording your life. Today God's making a mark about you. You are under that judgment. We will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, even as Christians, but there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. There will be no judgment of sin for those who are in Christ. Are you ready? Are you in Christ or do you know about it? Are you in Christ or are you just thinking about it? Are you ready For the day of the lord now jesus goes on in luke 17 where we read and he says this it was the same as happened in the days of lot they were eating they were drinking they were buying they were selling they were planting and they were building but on the day that lot went out from sodom it rained fire and brimstone from heaven And destroyed them all. I'm gonna give you some encouragement, church. Notice in the two examples of Jesus, the quiet removal of God's family. Do you see that? The day Noah went in the ark, the day Lot left Sodom, then judgment comes. All right, we read there in verse 9, you and I, as the church, are not destined for wrath, but for salvation. That's why we believe as Baptists that there will be a rapture of the church prior to the judgment of God on the world for sin. Praise God, I hope it works out that way. Nobody really knows. But that's what we feel that Scripture teaches us, especially by those two examples that Jesus gave of that great and terrible day of judgment coming upon the world. So understand this, it will come like a thief, all right? The next characteristic I want you to see is that it is a destructive judgment. It's just not a spanking. It's not a taking you out to the woodshed. It's not a chastising word from God. It is a destructive judgment Look what he says there. For you yourselves know full well in verse 2 that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. While they are saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly like birth pangs upon a woman with child. So it is a destruction that is uh, very, I don't know how to describe it, complete. All right, uh, the Old Testament speaks about this day. Look in the book of Joel with me on the screen. Joel, a prophet of God, wrote this Alas for the day, for the day of the Lord is near, and it will come as destruction from the Almighty. A day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. The heavens tremble, the sun and the moon grow dark, and the stars lose their brightness. For strong is he who carries out his word. The day of the Lord is indeed great and very awesome, and who can endure it? Amen. Joel spoke about it thousands of years ago, right? We still haven't come to that day, but it is near. It is coming. It will happen. The Bible indicates to us that it will be an awesome day. Who can stand up against it? Who will survive it? No one will be able to survive it. I want to read you from the book of Zephaniah, another Old Testament prophet. And he said this in his letter. It says, Near is the great day of the Lord, near and coming very quickly. Listen, the day of the Lord. In it, the great warriors cry out bitterly. A day of wrath is that day, a day of trouble and distress, a day of destruction and desolation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet and battle cry against the fortified cities. And the high corner towers. And I will bring distress on the men so that they walk like the blind because they have sinned against the Lord. And their blood will be poured out like dust, and their flesh like dung. Neither their silver nor their gold will be able to deliver them on the day of the Lord's wrath. And all the earth will be devoured. In the fire of his jealousy, for he will make a complete end, indeed a terrifying one, of all the inhabitants of the earth. Wow, the Bible shouldn't talk like that, should it? The Bible's supposed to be full of love and grace and forgiveness, but yet at the same time, in God's Word, He warns us. He says, there's coming a day when I'm going to take care of the sin of men. I'm going to judge it. I'm going to annihilate it. I'm going to wipe it out. I'm going to remove it. The question today is, are you ready for that? It can come like a sheet of black ice. It can come like somebody pulling out from a stop sign and T-boning you. You don't have time to react. You don't have time to think. You don't have time to move. It's just here, suddenly like a thief in the night. God is warning us, church. God is preparing us. God wants us to know. I personally don't like preaching like this, okay? But I have to because it's in His Word. These words are reality. These are not make-believe. These are not from clay or from Paul. These are from God Himself. And He gives us His Word. There is a fate of all of the disobedient And they will face it. When I say disobedient, what do I mean? Well, Jesus spoke about obedience and disobedience. John, the apostle, wrote his gospel message. And in that message, he said these words in John 3, 36. He who believes in the Son has eternal life. But he who does not obey the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. Do you see the two different words John used there? Believe and obey. There's a lot of people that believe in the Son. Do they have eternal life? Yes, if they obey Him. No, if they do not. It's not believing that the Son of God exists. That's not going to save you, believing that He exists. It's obeying Him is where you find salvation. I explained in my Sunday school class this morning about the word repent. It really means to change your mind. We teach it a lot about changing direction, going with the world in this direction, and you repent, you stop, and you turn around towards God. Why did you stop and turn around? Because you changed your mind. You changed your mind about Jesus Christ and what He did for you on the cross. And you know that you're a sinner lost and undone and that you're bound for hell without God's salvation offered to you and you accepting that. You know you're doomed. And so you change your mind and you turn to God and your life changes and you become obedient to God. Not to go to heaven, but because you are going to heaven. You don't get uh, all goody two-shoes in Christianity because you think it'll be pleasing to God. That's not going to get you there. What gets you there is turning your life into the hands of God and allowing Him to form you into the image of His Son. Somebody who loves. Somebody who builds up. Somebody who has uh, forgiveness. Not tearing down. Not wasting away. Not anger and strife and malice. Okay, those are things of the flesh, but we want to live by the way of the Spirit. And that's what God is teaching us. It will be a day like a thief in the night. It will be a destructive day. The third thing I want you to see is that it is inescapable. Look in verse 3 again. While they were saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them, suddenly like birth pangs upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. He gives the example of, of a, a, a woman in a uh, Giving birth, And I thought about Gail and mine's daughter, Laura. She had her little baby girl on the way to the hospital in the pickup truck. Okay? Right there in the floorboard of the pickup truck. And she told her husband, would you speed up? And he said, I'm going 70. And she said, look. And the baby was out and he went. <laughs> <laughs> His eyes got big and he hit the gas. Okay? She was already there. But you know what? When a woman goes into childbirth, there's one thing about it ladies. You can't change your mind can you? There's nothing you can do about it. It's coming. It's there and you can't change your mind. You can't do away with it. You can't put it aside. You can't brush it off. You can't say I'm going to do this later. You can't say oh I wish I hadn't gotten pregnant. You can't do any of that. That's what Jesus gave the example of. Like a woman with birth pangs pain it's here nothing can be said and done it is not escapable you cannot get away from it paul's point is that when it happens it's too late you can say oh i know i should have i should have given my life to christ i know i should have done it god give me one more chance he's going to say it's too late it's already started you made your decision All of the times in your life that I called you, all of the times that I wooed you to me, all the times I offered the salvation and you heard the gospel message, those were your chances. But when this day comes and it starts, and you want to change your mind, you won't be able to. You see, that's what makes it so horrible. That's what makes it so frightful for men and women. Unless you know that you're in Christ. And then this day is a beautiful day. Because I'm going home. But for those who aren't sure and those left live behind, it is a horrible day. To endure the judgment of God. You want to read what it's like? Go to Revelation. And it will tell you about the day of the Lord. And the judgment of the world of, for its sin. So Paul writes to us, it's, it's, there's no escaping it. You cannot get away from it except one way. In your lifetime, before this day, you can answer that call of God to receive His salvation. God, that's why it's so beautiful. God is sitting up there and He's prepared it. He has, he has worked it out. All you have to do is say, Amen to it. All you've got to do is say, I want that. All you've got to do is take your hand and take it it's free it costs you nothing it cost God his life on the cross it cost you nothing you just have to take it and as you take it he opens your eyes to the spiritual realm of life and now you want to follow him now you want to serve him and you want to be obedient are you ready for this day God offers that salvation while you're still breathing. Even today, you can have it if you simply would. Amen? Can I get an amen out of that? You can have it if you would take it. That day is coming. It's too late to choose sides when that day arrives. In fact, when that day day arrives, it actually reveals what side you've been on. You can say, you can be sitting in this church today and you can say you're a believer. But you have to be obedient, right? You can't just say, I agree, I agree, I agree. And then go out there and not be obedient to it. That proves who you are. That proves what you really believe. That proves what's going to happen on this great day. Today is your opportunity to do what is right. God is holding back this day because He's waiting on you. He's patient with you, but it won't be forever. There is coming a day, as Jesus said and Paul says, that God has fixed this day by His authority. It won't be changed, it won't be altered. He won't say, Oh, so and so didn't get saved. I'm going to move it down a week. He won't say that. This day is fixed, it's coming, and it will happen. Now, let's look at some better things. Amen? Look at verse 4. Okay? Look at verse 4. He turns the corner uh, with verse 4, and, and I love that. Let's, let's look at some good things. But, love that word but in the Bible, right? Now I can look at something a little more positive. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that the day should overtake you like a thief. Well, maybe I said it's positive. Maybe you don't know if you're in light or darkness. Maybe you're not sure. I pray today that you get that figured out and you come to the light. Amen. Look in verse 9. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with Him. We are not in the darkness as Christian people. God has given us knowledge and given us truth. I know what's going to happen. How do I know that? Because I have His Word right here in front of me. I can read it. I can know what's going to happen. I don't know exactly when it's going to happen, but I know what's going to happen. And so I can be ready for it. I can be prepared for it. I can be looking for it. I can be living towards it. I can be uh, witnessing about it. I can be warning people About this day. As I tell them also about the love of God. We are not destined for wrath. But we are like Noah and Lot. We are able to be prepared for that day. When we come out of this world and God brings His judgment upon it. Now God rescues us. Amen. We are not in the darkness. Look in verse 10. Jesus, who died for us, that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Now, wh- what is he talking about? How-, how can you live with Jesus while you're asleep or awake? What, what is he referring to there? Well, we-, we as Christians and through Bible study, we understand that when the Bible mentions sleep, it's talking about death. Have You've been to a, you've been to a funeral, an open casket, and your loved one or friend is laying there and you go by to view them on the way out and they look like they're asleep, don't they? It looks like they could just open their eyes and say, hey, what are you doing? But they're not. But the Bible refers to them as asleep, someone who is dead or awake. Well, I can understand awake. We're, we're alive, we're living, we're, we're breathing. But when it says whether I'm awake or asleep in verse 10, it says I can live with Christ. Now, what does he mean by that? Well, if you go back to the gospel messages, and Jesus uh, took three of his closest friends, Matthew, I mean, I'm not Matthew, James and John and Peter, he took them up to this mountain, and on that mountain, he was transfigured, the Bible says, the glory of Christ came back to him at that moment. And it was like Peter and John and Jane, whoa, wow, what a... What is this about? And I'm sure they fell down in the presence of Christ in all of his glory. And guess who was there with him? Somebody tell me. Come on. Moses and Elijah. The Bible says Moses and Elijah were standing there with Christ talking to him. And let's think about that a minute. Moses uh, died He was not allowed to go into the promised land, remember, because he disobeyed God. He struck the rock instead of speaking to the rock. And God said, you're not going to go in, but you're going to die out here and you'll be buried. So if Moses is standing on the mountain with Jesus, what does that tell me about Moses? He's been resurrected. Amen? If Moses was on that mountain in the New Testament and he died in the Old Testament, he was resurrected. Now the other guy, Elijah... The Bible says he did not see death. Right? It was kind of like described as a chariot of fire coming down out of heaven. And it swooped up Elijah. And guess who saw that? Elisha, his protege. And he saw that. And he described it kind of like that. And Elijah was caught up with another person, by the way, Enoch. They did not see death. So Elisha doesn't die but he's standing on the mountain. All right? What is that a picture of? It's a picture of somebody who is translated. That means uh, for you uh, Star Trek people that he was transported, okay? He went physically from one place to physically another place by the hand of God. You see that? So, we got a resurrected guy on the mountain. We got Jesus in all of his glory. We got Elijah who was translated or transported. And then we got these three Yahoos of our nature. Three guys standing there, shaking in their boots, got their eyes covered, but they're listening to what's going on. That would be you and I. Whether I am asleep, I'm dead, or I'm awake, alive. I can live together with Christ. Look at verse 10 again. That's what Paul is giving us a picture of that transfigurate mountain. Verse 10 Who died for us that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with Him. You see what happens to a believer when they die? They go to sleep, right? The Bible talks about that, and we are instantly in the presence of God. That's what Paul teaches us about in that Philippians book. So, who's at the center of all of these uh, transported, resurrected, ordinary men? The Lord Jesus Christ. Don't take the focus off and put it on Moses, resurrected. Don't put it on Elijah, who was transported, and don't put it on the three guys shaking in their boots, Put it on the one who deserves it, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's at the center of all of that. And he will always be at the center of all of that because he's deserving of it and he's the only one worthy of that. Now, these men were ready. These men were prepared. These men knew one day judgment would come and they got themselves straightened out and aimed towards that day. All of these men. Now the world is full of men who aren't doing that, by the way. So how might I know if I'm ready? Well, let's look in verse 6. This will show us how we can know that we're ready. So then, let us not sleep as others do. Aha! A secret mystery. To be ready for Christ's return, don't go to sleep. That's what it says, right? Listen, do not sleep as others do. I saw some of you guys with your eyes closed a minute ago. (laughs) Do not go to sleep, especially in church. Amen. All right. Don't go to sleep. I'm teasing with you. That's that's not what he's really referring to in verse 6. So then let us not sleep as others do. What is he referring to now? He's not talking about dying. He's talking about getting lazy. He's talking about dreaming. Dreaming. He's talking about sitting here today hearing God's word, but you're thinking about what you're going to do when church is over. That's sleeping. Okay? Don't sleep like the others do. Amen. Look at verse 6 again. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and be sober. So, what Paul means is that besides staying awake in church, he says, don't dream about the things of the world, be focused on the things of God. Keep your attention. Be alert and sober. Keep your focus on the things of God. Use your time to fulfill God's will in your life. Live as a Christian. Live in that direction. Don't drift off and lose sight of reality. You say, well, preacher, you're not preaching reality. Yes, I am. This is reality. Out those walls is not Everything there is. This fills in the holes and the gaps and everything else in your life. This is what's reality. This is what's going to happen. This is important. All of that out there can be icing on the cake. God wants you to go out and have fun. He wants you to eat well. He wants you to exercise. He wants you to enjoy life. He wants you to catch big fish. He wants you to shoot a subpar golf. He wants you to bowl 300. He wants you to do all of those things. But this is reality. Don't dream and drift away from this. Don't sleep. Don't fall asleep and drift off somewhere. Keep sober. Now, when he says that, he don't mean to be grim and humorless. All right? We read in Ephesians in my Sunday school class today, no coarse jesting, right? No silly talk. Well, man, we like to tell jokes, but when you dig into that, it means no vulgarity, no dirty jokes, no stupidity, right? And here it talks about being sober. It doesn't mean to be grim and humorless. It means to stay focused, to take life seriously, because these days are evil. Take advantage of the time that you have To be with the people around you. To be with your family. This is your family. We love one another here. We build up one another. We don't tear down here, do we? We're not supposed to. We build up. We encourage you older Christians. You're supposed to bring up the new Christians. They don't know how to act. They don't know what to do. They need your example. They need your teaching. So you teach them how to react in the Christian world. And how to react in the Christian uh, uh, way of living in, in this planet. He says we are to love and support one another there in verse 11. So it's easy to lose perspective. It's easy to fall in line with the world. I want to live the life that God has prepared for me. I want to... Make that choice. And I made my choice 33 years ago when I got on my knees and I asked Christ to come in and forgive this sinful man of his sinful ways and change my life. And you know what? He was all about it. That's what He's been wanting to do in me for 30 years is come in and change my life. But I wouldn't let Him. I held Him back. I pushed him aside. I closed my ears. I wanted to live life and experience it. And what I found in those 30 years of living that way is I was living hell. And I was experiencing hell. And it wasn't until I came to Christ that I even began to learn what life really is. And what love really is. I made that choice. I want to ask you today, are you ready? Have you made that choice is something that we all have to do. It's something that we all must experience. The day of the Lord is coming. Are you ready for it? You have an opportunity right now in this place to make that choice. We're going to give a, a time of decision. Some people want to call it a time of invitation. I'm not inviting you. I'm just asking you to make a decision today. I'm going to go with Christ. Or I'm going to go out them doors and be like I was when I walked in. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe next Sunday. If you wait till next Sunday, you might be a full week into the tribulation period. And when you come back here next Sunday, there won't be anybody here. I won't be preaching here. Somebody might get up here and preach, but it won't be me. Because I'm going home. Because I've got myself ready. And I'm going to stay Ready. The challenge today is are you ready? Let's pray. Father, bless this moment in your church right here at Aaron Springs. Father, I pray you bless every heart that is in this room and that you speak volumes to them, Lord, and and help them to understand all that has been taught them this morning from your word. I pray, Father, that your will is done. I pray that you call all men to you to be saved in this place. I pray, Father, that our prayers are being lifted up for uh, people we know in our life that don't know you. I pray you give us the boldness to be the witness that you've asked us to be. I pray you forgive us for not doing that. Be patient with us, God. We're simply made of dust and we are weak. But you are powerful and strong. Help us to get out of your way. And take over our life. And make us like Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.